Prepare your ear holes for hoops. It's like a romance with the ball. Get ready for a view of Cleveland basketball from downtown Columbus. Let it ride! This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. Let's get it on. The line of the song goes, come on, Cavs, gotta make it happen. And through five games, Maddie, in different ways, the Cavs have not made it happen. And the win is what you were looking for in at least three of the five. Yeah. I can excuse a loss against Milwaukee yep. from what would be Wednesday, November 16th. I can excuse uh, Friday's loss at Golden State. Steph Curry has 40 points on you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so most of the time you're not walking out with a dub there. Right. But Sacramento. But this past Sunday against Minnesota. I don't think I can talk myself out. And the Clippers game, even, you know, a, a, a little over a week ago. Yeah. I'm Eric Reeser. That's Matty Ice Hayes. Apologies for the poor introduction there. But <laughs> I came into this recording asking Maddie to talk me off this ledge. Okay. I'm here to do that for okay. you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try to I'm do this. I'm very concerned right now. Very concerned. Very. Okay. This is very cavalier. No, no, no. Eric's very concerned. <laughs> We've got what? A handful of L's in a row. Eight and six. Eight and six. Started this thing off super hot, looking like an elite team. East, that team's still in there. That that I, team I think, is still. I think so. That team is still in there. And but here's will where I'm please at. Please stand up. Yes, we need the real Cleveland Cavaliers to please stand up. And here's why I think I can talk you All off right. the ledge because I think the real Cavaliers have not collectively been together enough for them to figure out who they're going to be this season. I'm with you on some of these L's, some of these results, some of the stuff we've seen in game ain't great. But I think when you look at what's really going on, let's zoom out from this Milwaukee game this season. You had DG out of the gate, miss a chunk of time. Yep. Then you've had Jared Allen currently now missed time. Donovan Mitchell has missed a game here on this, on this trip that they just had before they came back to the East coast. I think when you're building a new team, that's the last thing you can afford to have happen because this team, when you have two huge pieces offensively in Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, the offense is going to run through those guys. And I think for the Jared Allen's of the world, the Evan Mobley's of the world, the Dean Wade's of the world, everybody has to adjust to what they're doing. Those two guys are still, I think, adjusting to each other throughout these games. So I think that's the elephant in the room for me right now. There's no way that I could watch what I watched to start the season and think that that was a fluke. The talent to me is still the talent. And when you look at that game against Golden State and you just look at starting lineup for starting lineup, that's the world champs right there yep. against a team that's trying to prove themselves to the NBA. Talent for talent, I don't think the gap is that wide. So no. I think as long as they can get healthy and get a, let's say, two-week run of everybody playing together and feeling what it's like to have such a new piece in the mix in Donovan Mitchell, eventually they're going to be just fine. Yeah, if you can put a couple of weeks together, a couple of games together with the five that we spoke of um, last time out of being the five, and that includes Jared Allen back in the lineup. That includes um, Karis LeVert yep. in the lineup with, with a steady presence. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the hope was for us at least, because yes, in, in the game against Milwaukee, that's not a game right now that if Jared Allen's dealing with an ankle injury, you're going to risk yep. any further damage or any further un- discomfort. Mm-hmm. 
middle of November. Yeah. You're absolutely not. But to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, you need Jared Allen. Yes. You 100% need Jared Allen. And you also need Robin Lopez to not turn into Ray Allen. What? I, like, I know your mom's in attendance, Wait, what? Robin. And, and I know you're trying to show out for her. Yeah. But I don't know where that came from. Crazy. I can't find another time where he's done that. Seven of nine from deep. Now, this is a big... That can light you up can from three. Can do that. But seven threes right. is crazy. And I think that's where we need to start. Last night, you look at this Milwaukee game. I think in the third corner, that was just an avalanche that got away from the Cavs. It third, did. third quarter, yep. Bucks just put their foot on the gas. Because you go into halftime, you're down it. one to Milwaukee. You're feeling good, right? I'm really good. You're feeling yourself. good. You're slowing Giannis down. You were mentioning before we hopped on, you liked what you saw from I Lamar Stevens. I thought Lamar Stevens acquitted himself nicely out mm-hmm. there with, again, the best player in the league. Yep in the Greek freak and the fact that they could allow Mobley to kind of be that freelance defender. Yeah. I, I know in, in, in different situations, he was able to come over and help on Giannis. Mm-hmm. He was able to come out and guard at the perimeter because you've seen it now through what would it be math on my hand, 14 games. Yeah. Gosh, Evan Mobley is such a great defender. He is man. And you know what I like too, is it feels like the offense is starting to smooth itself out. Cause remember yes. before the season, we were curious, Hey, is the jump shot going to come along? You know, we're going to get a little bit of three point shots every once in a while from this guy. Cause you're right. He, he, defensively, this man's is, is, is a very elite guy at this age already, already and will be for the remainder of his career. He'll be an all NBA defensive team guy. I think for the remainder of his career, but last night, the lack of presence from the undercover brother and Jared Allen, Absolutely showed itself because that third quarter, E, the Bucks grabbed 13 offensive rebounds, yep. which equaled 21 second chance points. And when you have a guy in Jared Allen that ranks fourth in the NBA in rebounds and cooks up 11 a game and eight of those are on the defensive end, like that's what you missed last night. You missed having a guy just give Milwaukee one shot and getting out of there. And that's what hurt them yesterday is when you give an elite team that probably feels like on there and they should have won a championship last year. If they had Chris Middleton, yep. when you give that team opportunity after opportunity, that is what's going to hurt you. And I think that led to what we saw in the third quarter. Jared Allen is so important on both ends of the floor, but especially defensively because he's the anchor, man. Because I love what you're saying about Evan Mobley and giving him that opportunity to be rangy and go out to the perimeter and do whatever he's got to do, protecting the rim and doing both those things. But when you got a guy like Jared Allen, that just allows everybody in front of them, I think, to be more aggressive. But it also puts fear in the heart of the offense because they know that guy's going to be at the rim. And also it puts pressure on them to cash in on their opportunities when they put up that first shot because they know if they miss more times than not, Jared Allen's coming down with the rebound. And so this from uh, Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com um, has a great article up right now on the .com that you can read from Junkyard Dogs to Fat Cats. <laughs> where J.B. Bickerstaff last night in about a 30-minute meeting, and it doesn't from Fedor's reporting say that Bickerstaff spoke for the entire thing, but he called him kind of fat caddy and yeah. how their mentality really has changed in about a week. And losing can do that to mm-hmm. you. Losing can do that to you, and have the idea can start to set in where we'll be fine. There's yeah. plenty of games in a season. And, and I do agree because I asked on Twitter last night, is it time for me to be concerned about the Cavaliers? And my responses were mixed. We're straight down the middle. Okay. I got some yes, yeah. and I got some no's. I'm likely, after talking to you, being more of a voice of reason than me, I, I'm not as concerned as when I hit record on this. But I still don't like the idea that they've 
not put five performances together of four quarter basketball games, even with the talent that's coming off the bench, Mm -hmm. you know, even with who they've got um, in terms of a deep line or a deep roster that I, I, I thought would be able to spell if you miss an Allen for two games or if you miss a a Donovan Mitchell for a game or two. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like they can miss Donovan Mitchell at all. No, no. He is a uh, one-of-one type of guy. He's going to be everything. Yes. Well, not everything because DG, I think the last couple games is – Starting to figure some things out and settle in just a little bit. And you and I talked a lot about, you know, just the chemistry between those two yep. guys and just ironing out time. the wrinkles. It's going to take time. But I think DG has looked pretty good and he looked pretty good last night, both scoring it and moving the rock around to his teammates. But I love what JB did. I love what JB did because he knows that his team coming out of the gate to where they won a whole bunch of games and they won, what, seven or eight in a row. Yeah. They got a ton of praise, and rightfully so. But when you're a young team, how do you handle that, right? How do you handle that praise, and do you still, you know, get in the lab and grind out on all the little finite details that it takes to be a champion? And that's why I think the the process of this is going to have moments of, you know, hey, they let a couple games go in a row because this is still a young team, and this is still a team that has to figure each other out. But I think that's the job of the head coach is to call your team out when you feel like they're feeling themselves just a little bit. And JB's got the pulse of that locker room way better than anybody else. And for him to call them out after the game, I think is a good thing. And I think this team's going to respond because they know what they have in that locker room and they know what they did to start the season. They just got to get back to doing some of those fundamental things. Also defensively, I think I'm missing Dean Wade. How crazy is that to say? (laughs) How crazy is that to say? I mean, he's another body on the wing that has enough size to disrupt, disrupt, certain offensive players. Now, is he going to ever be an elite defensive guy? I don't think so, but I do think there's enough there either where he can be a contributor to the defensive end. And what I like and what I love about the structure when you have Jared and you have Evan is when you're out there on the wing, you could take more chances. I think you can be more aggressive because you know, you have guys behind them that are going to clean things up and send those shots, you know, back to where they came from. So he's a guy that can be a key piece Uh, moving forward but just defensively man when they get Jared Allen back I don't think we'll be seeing some of the stuff that we saw against Milwaukee where teams can just run away from them and grab all these second chance points and it is a one game at a time league has to be and for Cleveland I think they do have a little bit of a chance to get things right and halt this slide Mm -hmm. against the Charlotte Hornets Uh, I believe the game would be Friday November Mm -hmm. 18th and you do that by being advantageous of another team and their injury yeah. bug um, because in the Charlotte Hornets last game out, LaMelo Ball, who's been dealing with injuries, left with an ankle injury. And so if you're yeah. dealing with a team without their best player, of course, you hate seeing guys get injured, mm-hmm. but in this situation, it's a chance to actually put a W in the out in the, in the columns. So in the same way, the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of like the final boss in the video game. Teams like Charlotte are teams that you have to beat. When you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Charlotte Hornets, with or without Lamelo Ball, right. you have to beat them because you're more talented than them. You have more experience than them, just based off of what the core of this team got through last year. You have to handle business against a squad like that, and that's a team that you can get up and down on. I just think if even if Jared doesn't play, a guy like Evan Mobley should be able to do his thing and control the paint there. And just the two guys up top with Donovan and, and um, Darius are just going to be too much. They're going to be too much for anybody, I think, on any given night. 
But a team like Charlotte should not be able to slow down the Cavaliers, and I don't think the Cavaliers should allow a team like Charlotte to no. put up a whole bunch of points offensively. And it does kind of sound like just with Dean Wade missing, you know, a couple games with that knee injury that he could be back. Mm-hmm. For Friday's game against the Charlotte Hornets, so that would kind of help them out. But if you're looking at Jared Allen and you're asking him how his ankle's doing and he's not feeling it Friday, I think it's another game yes. you, can, you can let him rest. He's too important right now to be pushing this injury. You're in the thick of things. I think you're going to remain in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference standings. That can't be a thing right now to where they panic. Boston, Milwaukee, you and I figured that would be the class of the yep. East, and we st- I still feel like the Cavs can be in there right in that third slot. I think they're a better team than Milwaukee. I think they're a better team than Toronto, and I think they're better than Indiana, which are your top six seeds at the moment because here's what the Cavs are doing right now, and this may even bring you even further off the ledge. Even after last night, Cavs are 10th in the league in points per game offensively, 8th in the league in points allowed defensively, and third in the NBA in point differential. Yep. That's what we're looking at right now. Top 10 in all the major categories right now, and you just highlighted this team has not been whole since game number one when Darius Garland went down with that eye injury. So that's how much talent JB has at his disposal. To me, that's what it's all about. You get a runway of a week or two of these guys all playing together and feeling what it's like to really be a new team with all this talent. They're going to be just fine. They're still one of the elite teams in the East. And you do have the opportunity for a lot of home cooking here before Thanksgiving, where you've got games at home against Charlotte, Miami, Atlanta, and Portland before you see the Milwaukee Bucks again at the Fiserv Forum, which I, we got to discuss. Well, yeah, what, what the hell is a Fiserv? I I no uh, that's on November 25th. So the day after, so that Black Friday game against Milwaukee is a great time to kind of see. Okay, mm-hmm. after a week, how do we, how do mm-hmm. we do? Yeah, absolutely. And also that Miami and Atlanta game games are a chance to send a message to teams yes. that are going to be in the mix in the that's Eastern East Conference as well. You can make yes, man. And I just love beating. Oh, well, I don't. They don't. I'm trying to think of the last time the Cavs beat Trey Young. I can't even remember. It's been a minute. They've been uh they looking a little eh right now. But he that's, and who, you're looking, are that's legit. who you're looking up at yeah. in the standings in terms of where the Cavs are right now for the East. It's the Hawks, the Bucks, the Celtics are the top dogs. And so I think like to your point to get a win oh, beating Trey Young. You love it, huh? You should be a Knicks fan then. They hate the man more than anybody. So it's not a the thing is like I really respect his game and that the same way I kind of respect Marcus Smarts. Okay. And that he does a lot of fakery and is able to get to the line so much by the way he plays. And I respect it. Yeah, you just don't like it. I just, I can't stand it when my team's playing it. It's similarly with Marcus Smart. I'm like, damn it! It's the same way I felt when Harden was doing his thing in Houston. Like, I hated all well, this. I thought the NBA had come out and, like, against playing that way. You, yes. And then here's Trey Young knocking you out in the play in round with that same type of play. Because I hated just watching James. Throw myself James. into you, oh, yes. throw the ball in the air at the same time, which takes a wizard to do. <laughs> like, does. I appreciate how good of an athlete you have to be to get all of that to happen within the span of two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Get the call, go to the line, and crush you with 20 free throw appearances. Mm-hmm. But it's awful to watch, and it has to be awful as a teammate. Yes. It has to be awful as a teammate. Same thing's happening with Harden and Philly. I know he's been dealing with that injury, but he was leading the league in dribbles or whatever crazy stats are out there with the dribbling world. Like, he was high up there with just the amount of times that this dude dribbles. So, yeah, those guys are not fun to watch, and that's why I think this Cavs team, man, they just got balance, right? When you just look at the guys they have in the backcourt, guys they have in the front court. There's so many ways that they can get it done, and that's why I think this run of losses right now has things baked into it that you can look at and say, okay, that's not really who they are. Yeah. I am interested to kind of see where they go 
for now before the deadline um, with that three, kind of two position when Garland, you want to put him at the three mm-hmm. or you want to have him be at your two because Levert's not giving you anything. Okoro had two more points in five more minutes. He didn't look confident on the looking, offensive I'm not trying end. to box score look at either of those two players, but their contributions have been so limited yeah. in this five game mm-hmm. run that I don't, you know, I, I'm not smart enough to correlate the two, yeah. but if you have those guys contributing in the third quarter, if you have, you know, Okoro coming off the bench with that Kevin Love second unit, mm-hmm. you're able to get more than 18 points. You're able to get more than 20 points and then you're able to defend a little bit better. So that can become a 25, 25 quarter to where you're coming into the fourth saying, all right, every, all the ones are back in. Yeah. Let's make a run for this in the perfect world. I would love to see Jay Crowder in this starting lineup. Okay. Because that shifts Karras into that second lineup with Kevin Love, and I think there's so much pop there offensively that you can you can avalanche teams yourselves, I think, in certain spots, yeah. right? If you had Karras and Kevin Love and Dean Wade and these guys that we know can either fill it up or shoot it from three really well, that's the fit that I would love. Jay Crowder yesterday kind of put like the eyeball emoji up with the clock, and I saw Jake Fisher, who covers the league, he's a reporter, saying that hours before their game against Golden State, there was rumblings that maybe Phoenix was very close to a Jay Crowder trade. I'm hoping that the Cavs are in on those discussions because I think that type of guy would be such a good fit. Now, you're going to be competing with elite teams, even a team like Miami. I was reading. He's a guy a lot of teams will have 100%. He is a perfect playoff player, but I think more importantly, he can be perfect for a young team. You get a guy like Jay Crowder that's been through the fires, been through those playoff wars and battles with certain teams, man. With the Cavaliers. Yes, man. You give that guy, uh, you give this team that type of guy, I think it's perfect both off the floor, but more importantly, on the floor because it adds shooting, it adds a level of defense, and it just gives I think Darius and Donovan more of an at-ease feeling with what they have to do on their assignment sheet every single night. So I've just been banging the table all season for Jay Crowder. I hope they're in on those uh, conversations there with Phoenix because I think he would be a perfect fit for this Cavs starting lineup. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. So it's that first Thursday in February. I'm looking at the 9th. Um, for the NBA trade deadline by that time. And this is kind of where we'll take our transition here because a, a not too off, I guess I would say not soft spoken, but he doesn't speak much outside of his burner accounts. And Kevin Durant uh, gave two uh, interviews in the last month here. Yeah. Um, one with Chris Haynes from Bleacher Report and one um, with Mark Spears of Anscape in which he kind of played the role of the nothing's my fault. I'm the guy trying to hold all of this together. Yeah, it's a lot of look at what those dudes aren't doing and put the blame on them. KD right now, we know the storyline in the all season. He wanted out. He hit the franchise with an ultimatum. It's me or you or you guys have to get rid of the head coach and the GM. We know that they figured things out. And now we're at a point to where KD is probably saying, I'm averaging 30 a night. The hell's going on around me? What the hell is going on around me right now? I don't love how you went about it, E, because if I was one of those dudes that he called out, why would I feel like I want to go bust my tail yeah, for that dude when you're calling me out starting publicly? four. Like, look at our starting lineup. Edmund Summer, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. 
end quote. Yes. Yeah, you're Kevin Durant. Yes, I am. Remember, actually. remember a couple of years ago when he he got a little chippy with the media and said, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who the hell I am. Where's that? Where's that energy now? Where is that energy now? You know, I can't have sympathy for him because this is what he wanted, man. This is what he wanted. He wanted to play with Kyrie. They wanted to do things their way. And it's gotten them nothing. And all of this drama, in large part, is due to KD and Kyrie. And what I thought was interesting, too, a little sidebar in that article from Haynes was... The Kyrie stuff? No, that teams are sniffing around Kevin Durant and how much, uh, whether or not this guy really wants to be in Brooklyn. So that's what brought me to this discussion, okay. was looking at that, that uh, trade deadline on February 9th. The question I did want to ask is, is Durant a member of the Nets? I don't think he should be. And I, I, th- I don't think so. Either. I don't think he will be. I think we're at a point now where this is so hostile in that building between Joe. Well, Sy- he says he's loving life right now. Well, he's lying. Because in one, in one sense, he's saying both of these are so full it, it of makes crap. no sense. On one end, he's saying he's loving life. But on the other end, he's pretty much saying I'm having a bas- uh, terrible basketball time every single night because look who I'm playing with. So which one is it? Right. Which what one are we doing is here? it? KD had the ultimate opportunity to be in basketball heaven. He could have stayed in Golden State. We wouldn't have loved it, but he could have stayed there and yep. rode this thing out, and they would have won a whole bunch of championships, and th- everything would have been apple pie and ice cream. But this is what he wanted. He wanted to prove he could be a leader on the court and off the court. On the court, he's checking those boxes. No issue with KD. KD is an absolute monster on the floor. But off the floor, man, you got to question the dude's leadership because going about it this way, I don't like I think there's other ways to go about it. I'm all about uplifting your teammates, even if you don't believe it. Publicly uplift your teammates yes. and show them love. You do it in the public yes, eye. Man. If you do it, if you're out front to the media that you believe in your teammates, yeah. instead of going, like, what do you expect me to do with these guys? Is the you're not Kobe, you're not LeBron. You don't get to do that. No, no, not there when are, you- there are two guys, and I listed them. Jordan, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think Jordan ever did that publicly. He just punched teammates behind closed doors. That's it. You know, just- chippiness. <laughs> You imagine if social media was around, like Jordan, how oh, how man. Jordan would have to like. Oh, he got lucky deal with, with that. that? Yes. He got lucky. That team got lucky. I mean, that era of players that got era, lucky. That, but this sports yeah, in the course, '90s got it was, lucky. It's crazy. I mean, in that Jordan documentary, we, we literally watched Dennis mm-hmm. Rodman ride off on a motorcycle with a beer in hand in front of police, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. And nobody cared. Real quick, little sidebar. Speaking of punches, this Golden State Warriors team. I don't know where you're at with them. I I don't I wonder where their panic level is amongst their fan base. Because I don't I can't sit here and say that the punch alone is leading to some of the results that we've seen from them. But the vibes around Golden State are not great at all. Clay Thompson, I feel like every time I hear his name, he's trying to publicly make it known that he needs more respect and more love and all that type of stuff. But this team, e defensively, they're horrible. And you just watch them. It doesn't feel like they have juice. James Wiseman has to go down to the G League. He's playing the G- I saw that the other day, and I was like, well, that's a – I don't want to say – can I use the B word? Of course you can. Mm-hmm. At this point, I, I think it's safe to say at this point that James Wiseman is a bust. When you get drafted that high – yeah. You should be somewhat of a contributor on the NBA level. Even if you're a role, you know, role player or whatever, you got to be in the rotation when you're that high of a pick. But Poole has not been great. I just, I wonder if that punch led to some of the things that we're seeing, or maybe as simple as the young guys aren't as good as they thought they would be, and they're not ready to support Steph on a nightly basis because Steph's been amazing. <laughs> Steph's been amazing. They dropped 50 last night against the Suns. And lost. And lost. And they lost. In a losing so, effort. They got beat 130 to 19. 
And Steph's out there shooting 17 of 28, 7 of 11 from the... You know who had the same amount of threes as Steph Curry? Friggin' Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez. The hell, man. (laughs) So his mom's probably going to be there for that game against the Cavs next Friday night. Just so he can light us up again. She's a good luck charm. By the way, if you've never seen Brooke Lopez in person... I think I'd be shocked if you came back to me and you told me that wasn't the largest human you've ever seen in your entire life. Because I saw him a few years ago when the Bucks came into Cleveland. E, I'm telling you, it's not even real. Yeah. Like when you see a dude like that in person. And the fact that he can do what he does offensively, because seven threes is nuts. Like he's, even if you're he's Steph shown Kirk. the ability, Brooke Lopez, to shoot. Yes. Hundred percent. Not at that rate. And at that size, it's crazy where yeah. bigs are in the league right now. He's a good player, and that's why look, the Bucks are the gatekeeper in that, the East. That is it. They're they are the gatekeeper. You gotta go through them if you want to get anything good going on. I wanna just touch uh back on the nets real quick. Yeah. Because Kyrie Irving uh could be back on the court for Brooklyn mm-hmm. as soon as I guess it would be Sunday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um that'll be the Eighth game he's going to miss. Uh, they got a game in Portland on November 17th. He's going to miss that. So it'll be eight games off. What are you trying to What do you, I guess what do you do if if I don't even know who would have the responsibility here because Joe Sy's taking flack from the players. You got Jacques Vaughn, who's, I think, acquitted himself pretty well considering yeah. the, the crap sandwich he was mm-hmm, given. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the ask. If you want to be a coach in the NBA, you have to have to deal with this stuff. But everything seems to just be stacking on this Brooklyn team. Do you even throw Kyrie back in or do you just tell him to go home? I think you throw him back in. Yeah. Because I think if you don't, this will just always be hovering over your head. The Players Association might step in. Yes, it gets a little nasty because we've already had, what, Jalen Brown calling out yeah. Josiah, LeBron calling out Josiah, other players around the NBA calling the Brooklyn Nets out with how they've gone about this Kyrie thing and feeling like, you know, the punishment doesn't necessarily fit the crime. Just the extent of the punishment doesn't necessarily fit the crime. E, he's still a 27-a-night guy, man. Yeah. That's what he is. Uncle Drew's still in there. All the off the court stuff is absolutely madness, and he deserves some of the things that have come this way, come his way. But I think you can't sell Kevin Durant, I think, at this point of we're sending Kyrie Irving home. That to me would also just be another bad chapter in this book that's already a very it's bad already book. Bad. And that's why I asked, like, I have no idea what the right move is with this guy. Here's what I do know, E, that this is absolutely the final chapter in this book. Next year, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, neither one of these guys will be in Brooklyn. It's way, way, way too messy at this point, I think, to do anything as far as running it back with these two guys, uh, the leaders of this team, or the faces of this franchise. So I think they'll bring them back. I think some of the obviously the stuff will calm down in time, and I think Kyrie Irving will look like Kyrie Irving on the floor. I just don't think this Brooklyn team is going to have enough to really get in the mix with Cleveland, Boston, and Milwaukee at the end of the day. Here's another thing that I – so when – I'm doing the like the show for like what the hell are Maddie and I going to talk about when I'm kind of putting this stuff together that I think would be interesting. I did have it written down Ben Simmons and his camp drumming up trade rumors that were I think <laughs> parroted by two different media outlets. Yeah. I think one of them was heavy.com who I didn't know covered the NBA but the Dallas Mavericks having interest and then Mark Stein, very reputable NBA reporter mm-hmm. coming out and saying no there's nothing to any of that. That's what he said he said that was what was being drummed up without naming anybody, but it felt to me like the Brooklyn Nets had no part of it more. I would say clutch sports. 
would be the party responsible for drumming up rumors. Here's how messy the Brooklyn Nets are right now. In the same morning slash afternoon, we had a bombshell story come from Haynes with Katie calling out his teammates and his old coach and Steve Nash, by the way, in that thing. And then we had a huge article from Shams about Ben Simmons and players speaking off the record, questioning this man's desire to play basketball. In that article, Markeith Morris apparently called out Ben Simmons in a meeting. When that stuff starts to pop off already at this point in the season, your season's done, man. Your locker room's That's already it. cooked. When your, uh, your supposed third best player is being questioned by role players, you're done. So this is absolutely a mess. This season cannot end fast enough, or they cannot get to the trade deadline fast enough because they need to strip away some of these pieces and just start brand new. And I can understand, honestly, the frustration from Joe Sy because, E, you remember a couple years ago when Karis LeVert was a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. That was a good team they put together. That was a, a really fun good team. team. They had a great culture. Yeah. Everybody loved each other, and they were scrappy, and they were doing the darn thing. They said they wanted to go all in and try to get themselves a chip. You hand power over to certain superstars that don't know how to handle it, and this is what you get. Because Ben Simmons is owed $177 million through 2025. Oh, yeah. Fat catting is what Ben Simmons has going on right now. Now, he's throwing out the injury stuff and all that, but, man, I mean, this dude's got kicking his feet up and on. It doesn't matter what I do. I got this guaranteed money coming not just this year but for years to come. <laughs> it's crazy. It's Crazy, man. The NBA continues to be the best drama off the field, yep. off the court. Um, and, and for us, love the drama on the court. Oh, it's amazing. So the, this whole thing does help, especially before Thanksgiving, we get a nice helping of NBA drama that's on the court. Yeah. NBA drama that's off the court. And it doesn't feel like it's going to slow down. No. It only seems to ramp up before the deadline. And then after the deadline, <laughs> we're in for it. So coming up next week, we're hoping that there's no more losing streak. Hope that we can be previewing a Milwaukee Bucks early season rematch yep. that goes a little bit more in favor of the Cavaliers, and that includes Brooke Lopez not having seven three pointers <laughs> made. Maybe as you know, I don't know. I don't know because uh, I, I want to keep going into this, but we are running out of time. Is how you're going to defend that, knowing Giannis is still there. Mm -hmm. I think you just do the same thing defensively and hope Brooke Lopez doesn't have the same kind of shooting clip. I'm in the camp of <laughs> if Brooke if Brooke Lopez is going to make seven threes or five threes, and that's how we lose, I'm all for it. I can't live with Giannis just, you no, know, dunking all Giannis over us thing, right. in the paint. I, I, can't, I can live with Brooke yeah. Lopez beating us. Can't live with the Greek freak just killing you. Although maybe at Thanksgiving dinner you have Robin just if they're playing. Because you know when brothers get together and they hoop? Yeah. Maybe you throw an elbow, or maybe the ribs, you, you go after you know, you know sore ribs and soreness. <laughs> You're taking the, the day off for general soreness. Don't know injury on the guy. Maybe just a day or two off, and that could be that 24th, that 25th, and the 26th. So the Cavs don't have to see him again. But I am now less on the edge good. than I was coming into this. So this good. has been on. Uh, just going to stretch off the couch a little bit. It's very, been a very good therapy session. So hopefully you guys listening took Maddie's words to heart and feel a little bit better about our Cleveland Cavaliers. This has been Episode 5. We will talk to you again, Episode 6. And I'm going to say it now with no losing streak. That's right, baby. Merrick Reeser, that's Maddie Ice. If you do not hear us before Thanksgiving, enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you probably around Turkey Day-ish for the Cavs and the Milwaukee Bucks again. Thanks for listening to Very Cavalier. Make sure to hit subscribe on whatever podcast thing you're listening to.